And the word of the Lord reads as follows. Paul, as an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in, who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. You know, the Bible reminds us that as Christians that we have been blessed in Christ, as the text says, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And as most of us know, these these blessings are innumerable. And if we even sat down and begin to recount all the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, we would run out of time before we run out of blessings. And yet, whatever blessing we have, they all flow from this eternal truth that we are in union with Christ. That we are united with Christ. In fact, this is what the Bible says, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessings in Christ. God who has blessed us in Christ. This all flows from our union with him. Every blessing that you have. The fact that Christ is in the heavenly, seated at the right hand of God the Father. There, whatever blessings Christ receives as being the eternal Son of God, those blessings are ours in Christ Jesus because we are united with Him. Whatever Christ has, we have. If God the Father delights to hear Christ, He delights to hear us. If he delights to answer the prayers of Christ Jesus, he delights to answer our prayers. If he raised Christ from the dead, then he delights to raise us as well. And on and on and on the blessings go. But beloved, arguably, there is No greater blessing, no higher watermark of these blessings than is the reality that because we are united with Christ, we have been blessed to receive adoption as children. Notice what our text says. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. That is that that's the goal. That is the blessing that God gives to his people. 
understand this. That the Bible says that God is blessed. That he is a blessed God. That's what God is. And it means that he is favored. It means that he is well spoken of. It means that he is esteemed. It means that he is highly praised. And it is this blessedness that God delights to share with his creation, but especially with his people. Or in the scriptures, there may not be any greater blessing than knowing that you have been adopted into the family of God. What does adoption mean? Well, biblically speaking, adoption is the sovereign, gracious act of God whereby he declares rebellious sinners to be sons and daughters, members of his family and household. Now, we tend to take it for granted that we are sons and daughters of God. We tend to take it for granted that we are members of the household of God. But I want to press upon you this morning what a grand privilege and a gracious act of God's sovereign pleasure that is. J.I. Packer says of this adoption, adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers. Higher than justification owing to the richer relationship with God it involves. John Murray says that adoption is the apex of redemptive grace and privilege. The priority of our blessed adoption, beloved, is seen even in this text. As the Bible tells us in this short text, shows us, proclaims to us the when, the how. And the why of this glorious blessing. Paul wants the church to understand that this is such a magnificent blessing that you should see and understand the when, the how, and the why of this blessing. Might he press it upon our hearts this morning. The when. When. When were you the recipients of this blessedness? Well, Paul says, God chose us as sons and daughters before time. Chose us before time. There is a pre-temporal design of God in the blessedness that is our adoption. Notice what the text says. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before the worlds were formed, our God was busy. And he was busy not designing the planets, beloved, but he was busy decreeing his family. Before the worlds were fashioned, God determined that we would be sons and daughters of God. He had designs on being a father. 
no designs for that we would be, be his children. But this is divine planned parenthood. As God had planned to be our father before time ever was. Notice what it says. He chose. This should remind us that we are not the children of God by nature. We are not naturally by birth children of God. Contrary to what some may want us to believe, everybody is not a child of God. Simply because God created you does not automatically make you his child. It's something that probably needs to sink in our minds and our hearts this morning. You are not by nature a child of God. You are a child of God because he chose you. That is not a natural condition, beloved. Naturally, the Bible says in John chapter 8 and 44, you're a child of the devil. Naturally, by birth, Paul says later on in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2 that we are sons and daughters of disobedience. In in verse 3, we are by nature children of wrath. Yet, even though we are children, naturally children of the devil, by birth, sons and daughters of disobedience, by nature, children of wrath, we are brought into the family of God. And beloved, it is not by accident. You didn't just happen all of a sudden to be transformed, transferred from the, being a child of the devil into being a child of God. That is, that is not an accident. This is according to the divine plan and purposes of God. God chose you. Through all the mass of lost and unredeemed Humanity. He chose you. He chose us. We didn't choose God. You know, it's common for people to say that they chose to be a Christian, but chose to be a child of God. Yet the reality is this, that you had no more choice in the grand scheme of things than a baby has in choosing his or her adoptive parents. Next time, you know, orphanage, or, or, or perusing through some pictures of orphans. No, beloved, that it is not that abandoned baby who chooses their parents. It is the parents who chooses that orphaned and abandoned baby. So it is with our God. It was not that you chose him. Paul says 
And before time, he chose us. And yet, in choosing us before time, it is the delight of God to make that choice known in time. He chose us before time, and yet it is his delight to make that choice known in time. Sooner or later, the parents revealed to the child that you were chosen. Adopted. Phil read for us this morning, did he not, in Galatians chapter 4. That in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Why? So that we might receive the spirit of adoption, whereby now we can call upon God as Abba Father. He chose you before you knew it. In time, he revealed that glorious truth. You've been adopted all along. Wilhelm Sabraco, in his systematic theology and speaking of adoption, reminds us of this, that the glory of our adoption is this, that we have been adopted from being children of the devil to becoming children of God, from being a child of wrath to becoming the object of God's favor, from a child of condemnation to becoming an heir of all the promises and possessors of all the blessings. When? When did we receive that? Before. Foundation of the world. Before God created the worlds, he decreed that you and I would be his sons and daughters. How? When? Yes, but Lord, how? Notice what the text says. In love, God chose us to be sons and daughters according to the wonders of his love. In love, he predetermined that we would be his children. In love, he predestined us for adoption. In love. In love. Because the heart of the gospel, beloved, the very heart of the gospel, the heart of God is adoption. If, if justification is the head of the gospel, then we should see that adoption is the heart. For what justification does, justification frees us from guilt and sin. Adoption welcomes us into the Father's house, gives us a room and a seat at his table. You see the heart of God. So that in justification, the righteous judge declares that you are free. But in adoption, the loving father says, come home with me. Come home with me. You're not only free, but now you're mine. Come home with me. For adoption pictures 
the gospel because it pictures God's intimacy and love for his people. It is here that we see and we glory in the fatherhood of God. But you don't get the fatherhood of God in justification. You get God as father in adoption. 1 John chapter 3 and and verse 1, the Bible says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. It is a manifestation of his love for us that you and I can be called children of God. Someone has said that love is blind. I don't know about that. When I first saw my wife, she sure looked good to me. <laughs> you know, in one sense, God's love is blind. And he didn't see anything in you or me that would cause him to love us. He didn't go through the orphanage or go through the, the, the books where there are all these abandoned children and see a twinkle in your eye. He didn't hold you and see the softness of your skin. He didn't see you and see the joy in your smile. There was no connection between you and God. All he saw was wretchedness. And yet, yet, he chose you in love said, I want that one, and that one, and that one. Nobody else may want them, but it's the one I want. I want him, and I want her. How deep, how deep, beloved, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond our measure. That he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. I cannot explain it. Yet this is the heart of God. That he would love the unlovely. That he would love a wretch like me. Motivational speaker Les Brown, who was adopted, tells the story of once being a grown man come and realizing that he was actually adopted. And, and it really threw him for some loops. He began to be depressed. He couldn't imagine how his family, how his mother and his father would just abandon him and give him up. And he went into a depression until one day he was meeting with a friend over some coffee. And the friend was listening to Les Brown retell his story of how awful he felt. And his friend said, Les, you're forgetting. You were chosen. You were chosen in love. My parents didn't have any choice. What came out is what they got. Somebody saw you and said, I want him. Oh, beloved. If you are a child of God this 
morning, you have been chosen in love. He loves you. And he has given his only son to make you his treasure. When before the foundation of the world, how in love? Why? The Bible says, according to the purpose of his will, according to the good pleasure of his will. <laughs> the unmoved will of God was moved to set his affection on us so that we might live to the praise of his glory and his grace. You do know that God's will is unmoved. Unmoved by nothing outside of him. There's nobody, nowhere, there's no circumstances that can cause God to do something against his will. Eternally, God is eternally blessed. He is eternally happy. He needs nothing. He needs nobody. He doesn't need you to complete his joy. Yet, the unmoved will of God was moved to set his affections upon you and me so that we would live to the praise of his glory and understand the magnitude of that grace. The word there means good pleasure. Your translation may say purpose. But the word actually means good pleasure. It pleased God to choose you. It pleased him to adopt you. Excuse me? It was according to his good pleasure that he did it. Why? I don't know. I wouldn't have chosen you. I don't know. You wouldn't have chosen me. I cannot tell why, says the hymn writer. He whom angels worship would set his love upon the sons of men. Or why as a shepherd he would seek the wanderers to bring them back. I know not how or when. I don't know. It should blow your mind. That the good pleasure of God would be. To choose you as his beloved. The only answer I have for that is to live my life to the praise of his glory and his grace. I don't know why I'm chosen, but I do know that since I'm chosen, I'm going to give glory to the God who has chosen me in love all the days of my life. I want to worship him. I want to honor him. The Bible says in Psalm 115 and 1, our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. Our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. And if that's the case, 
How marvelous and magnificent is it that he who is heaven, who is in heaven and can do whatever he pleases, has been pleased to choose you and me as his children. Please, God, to make his will known that we, as undeserved sinners, should be his beloved children to this end is for that for which everything has been created and that is that we would glorify honor worship and make much of the father who has chosen us in love it's the reason god has blessed us You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus so that in response to that, you would live to the praise of his glory. There are blessings. There are blessings in this blessing. There are blessings in this blessing that are too too numerous for me to relate to you this morning, but I just want to give you four. Four that find their ground in the Trinitarian nature of the God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. These privileges and these blessings that we have as sons and daughters, great. And they come to us by way of the revelation that our God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that his love is manifested to us through adoption. Not just the Father, not just the Son, not just the Holy Spirit. But the three in one communicate the love of the one eternal God to his people as sons and What's the first of these blessings? The first of these blessings is that now we can call God Father. That God is our Father. God is not just judge. God is not just creator. God is not just master. God, he is our Father. He is a loving provider. He is a loving protector. He is the one who loves us best. He is the one that we go to when we need most. Is not this this what Jesus taught us when Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father. Our Father. This is not by accident. Jesus wants us to realize the intimacy that we have with God as our Father. And we come to him, and Jesus didn't say, when you pray, oh God. He says, when you pray, pray. Our Father. Our Father. Now, my kids for the most part, are not bashful about asking me for things, especially the youngest one. I mean, Anna, she has not yet learned the limitations of her daddy. And apparently many of us have. We think that there are limits on God. 
And so we call him Father. But we fail to really take advantage of the privileges that is God our Father, that we would call upon him knowing that there are no limits upon this God who we call Father. He desires to bless his children. He desires to open up the storehouses of heaven to make them available to his children. If they would simply call upon him in faith. This is why Paul says later on in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything that you ask or think. Why? Because he is your father. And unlike me, who has all sorts of limitations, sweetheart, God has none. He is our father. What a magnificent blessing that is. But also, we are blessed because Christ is our brother. Christ is our brother. He is not only our savior, but as sons and daughters of God, Christ is our older brother. And he is a good brother. Says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11 that he is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. That is amazing. That is amazing. He got some knucklehead, hard-headed, disobedient, disrespectful brothers and sisters, and yet nowhere, no how is he ever ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. He is our brother. And he is determined that no one should do us harm. If if any of you have older brothers or sisters, or if you are an older brother or sister, then you know the burden that you often feel with protecting those who are under you. And what a blessing it is to have an older brother or sister who has gone before you and paved a way for you. I have a lot of older brothers and sisters. And I remember finally getting to high school, and as soon as my name was called, somebody said, oh, that's Marvin's brother. That's Ricky's young brother. The glorious thing it is to know that you have an older brother or sister, that the minute that the, minute that the enemy begins to raise up against you, that you, he can hear Christ saying, so, no, 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 that's my young sister. That's my young brother. You shall not lay a hand on him. If you are going to touch him or her first, you are going to have to come through me. He is a gracious older brother. For unlike the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son, And when the prodigal comes home, the older brother begins to resent and wondering, oh, is he going to steal my blessings? Is he going to take part of my inheritance? Having squandered his, now he's coming back to take mine. 
Oh, beloved, Christ is a gracious brother, for when you come into the kingdom of God, he says, come into the family and I share all of my inheritance with you. We are heirs and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. All of the privileges that belong to Christ as the Son of God, now that we have been adopted into the family of God, all those now belong to us and Christ is delighted to share them with us. Is a gracious son to the older brother. But he is an obedient one too. When we were young, we would all leave the house. One of the things my father would say to my older brothers is, don't come home without your brother. Whenever the kids are out somewhere, I always tell Tony, don't you come home without your sister. Don't you let me see you and don't see your sister. Beloved Jesus is not leaving any of his brothers and sisters alone. For all that the Father has given to him, does he not say that I have not lost one? He is going to make sure that all of his brothers and sisters get home with faithfulness and joy. Because that's what his father delights. That none, none of his children are lost. Jesus will not go home without his brothers and his sisters. Not only is God our father, not only is Jesus our elder brother, but the Holy Spirit is our guide and our assurance. For the God, the Father, has not only set his affections upon us as his children, but he has given us a seal. And he has sealed the deal in that he has given us his spirit. And his spirit assures us on a daily basis that we are children of God. Romans 8 and verse 14 and 15 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. It is the blessed gift of God that his spirit has come to us and now assures us, not just leads us, but assures us that we are his sons and daughters, whereby now we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, that is a difficult word to kind of translate, to bring into our English language. You want to kind of think it means daddy, but it leaves something even more intimate than, than that. It's just a sense of an intimacy with God, whereby you can call upon him, and he knows that that is one of his children calling upon him. If you've been around our family any time, if you've been around my son, and as my son refers to me, he doesn't call me father. He doesn't call me daddy. He calls me gaggy. Have you heard that? I know you have, Phil. (laughs) He calls me gaggy. And I know people listen to that and wonder, what is he talking about? Well, you see, when he was a little boy, he couldn't say daddy. 
he said, Gaggy. Gaggy. And as he grew up, you would think that he would grow out of that. you think that he would grow up and realize, no, it's not Gaggy, it's Daddy. Now, his mother has tried to get him to change his mind. His sisters have tried to convince him, stop calling him Gaggy, it is Daddy. I have assured them and they that as long as he delights to call me Gaggy, he can call me Gaggy. Because we know as a term of intimacy and affection that nobody else has. So it is with us, beloved. You don't have to call him Gaggy. But you can say Abba. And he knows that that is a term only reserved for his children. He knows that is a term of intimacy only for those who truly know him by way of the spirit. He knows. That is a term of love and affection. And he is granted only to those who are in union with Christ have been adopted into his family, whereby now we cry out, Gaggy, Father, Abba, Father. But you know, there's a, there's a fourth blessing here. It should be reminded to us, it should be pressed upon us, and that is that the church now is our family. The church is the household of God, and those united with Christ are now united with each other, whereby we don't just call God Father, but we call each other brother and sister. And we are no longer foreigners, as Paul says later on in Ephesians chapter 2, that we are no longer foreigners or strangers to one another, but we are fellow citizens, indeed members of the household of God. It's the church. God is our father. Our father. And therefore, We are sister and brother. And like Christ as our brother in Luke chapter 2 and 44, when his parents, earthly parents, found him in the temple as a young boy. And Jesus says, I must be about my father's business. So too, the church of Jesus Christ, who are called and united with Christ and adopted by God into his family, we must now be about the family business. what theologian Gerald Bray says, if we are members of God's family, then the family business becomes our business as well. And what is the family business, beloved? The family business is deliverance. The family business is setting captives free. The family business is bringing hope to the homeless, sight to the blind, love to the loveless. It's bringing reconciliation to the aliens. What Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this from God, who through Christ 
has reconciled us unto himself and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So that if we are those who have been changed by the gospel, we are not simply those who preach the gospel. We are those who live the gospel because that is the family business. Has God reconciled you to him? Then you ought to be a minister of reconciliation. Has God brought you into the family of God? Then he desires that we would be those bringing the lost and the wounded and the hurting into our families whereby we could show them the love of God that has been shed abroad in our hearts. Have you been the recipient of God's grace? And that means that we must be ministers of grace because that is the family business. Have you been adopted? By God, then the family business to care for the orphans, to care for the forsaken, is to care for the lost, to care for those the world discards, knowing that God did not discard us. But this is a marvelous and a magnificent grace that we have received. It's a blessing with which God desires us to be a blessing. To understand the heart of the gospel. To know that you have been adopted into the family of God. And our adopting others the beautiful picture, the blessing that has happened to us. All of this because we are in Christ, our union with him. Being in Christ and united with Christ. So that, if I don't say anything, I want to say this this morning. First, you got to be a child of God. I mean, not everybody's a child of God. And I don't live under any delusions that everyone here is a child of God. My prayer, though, that everyone would be. In order to be a child of God, you got to be united to Christ. You got to be in union with Him. You got to come by way of faith and repentance. You got to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. You got to turn from your sins, and by God's grace, you are united with Christ, adopted into his family, granted all the privileges of adoption. God the Father, God your brother, the church as your family, the Spirit as your assurance. And adoption as your mission. You got to be united to Christ. My prayer, everyone here, even now, would be so united and so moved in obedience to Christ.